the book of James. James chapter 1. While you're turning there. And I got to thinking just uh, how blessed we are to uh, be able to have online services. There, I know there are churches. In fact, I was going down through a prayer list this morning of other preachers. I try on Sunday morning to pray for other preachers and other works. And um, I really didn't know whether or not many of them, quite a few of them, uh, had the capability of uh, online streaming like what we have. And I know that there, there, are, there are many of them that are just, they're sitting at home today. They may be tuned in to another, another church, but their own church can't do this. And I'm just thankful that God has allowed us to be able to do that, do this, to also reach out in the community, to publish it in the citizens so that uh, if folks want to tune in, they can do so. Uh, if there's folks that have a church that uh, does not live stream, they could tune into ours and uh, get a blessing from the book. But, uh, but I'm, I'm just thankful. I, <clears throat> Lord uh, guided and directed me to the book of James this week for preaching and this is going to be another one of those messages that and I do this from time to time where it's two parts uh, first part you're going to get this morning the second part you're going to get tonight at six o'clock so let me encourage you to plan on on tuning in again at six in order to get the rest of the message but uh, I, I particularly was drawn to the book of James particularly the first chapter because it, it deals with difficulties. It deals with temptation. We're going to look at that in just a moment. And I know that as time goes on and this thing stretches out, I have noticed it in my own spirit. I have noticed it in my own attitude, uh, even this morning. I'm thankful for the music we had this morning. I'm thankful for the special music. I'm thankful for the, the singing we were able to do. Music does a number on me, and that's a good thing. Uh, it, uh, it, helps me, it helps me get back onto the even keel. Uh, but, the, but the truth is, is that uh, we, we need to have the right mindset. We need to have the right approach uh, when, it, when it comes to difficulties. Right now, as a country, as a state, and as a city, you know, we are, we are in some pretty severe Difficulty, and I and I've I've said this right from the get go, and I really believe this. Uh, it could get a whole lot worse as time goes on, and I'm not referring to the virus. I'm referring to the kickbacks of uh, the economy and salaries, and uh, on and on it goes. Uh, even production of food in this country, and so it's you know we we are going to be tempted. To, uh, to, to not have the right attitude, to not have the right spirit. And what, what the book of James addresses, uh, particularly in the first chapter, is he addresses a, a group of people that are, are going through difficulty. It's, it's uh, written to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. <clears throat> it's, it's different than any other epistle that you find in the scriptures in the New Testament because in the other epistles, it's usually, they're usually addressed to a group of people, particularly like a local church. But in this particular case, it's, it's the 12 tribes scattered abroad. I believe that in the tribulation period, I believe there's two books, actually three books, that 
that, that people in the tribulation, particularly Jewish people, are going to be attracted to and are going to find themselves studying. And that's going to be the book of Hebrews, that's going to be the book of James, and then also, obviously, the book of Revelation. But I also know that when James wrote this, and by inspiration, that he wrote it for people that were alive right then and there. And so from that, we, we need to, 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 and those folks were going through some problems, they were going through difficulties, they were going through, through trials, and that's why right out of the blocks, I mean, he, he uh, uh, has one verse of greeting, which again is kind of unusual. Uh, he has one verse of greeting, and then boom, man, he heads right into the, the meat of the matter. So let's do this. Let's all stand together. And look with me, if you would, in verses 1 through 12. Now, we're not going to cover all 1 through 12. We're going to cover half of it this morning, and then we'll cover the other half the, this evening. James chapter 1 and verse 1 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low. Because as the, the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let's bow for prayer. Father, it's good to be able to have your word this morning that can speak to our hearts. It's good, Lord, to have the Holy Spirit on the inside, those of us that have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. We've not only been sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise for all eternity, but we've also uh, got the Holy Spirit in us, and uh, you have made our bodies your tabernacle. Uh, Father, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for the, the, the comfort and the help and the strength that you can give us day by day. And we pray, Lord, that we would be attentive to your word. We pray, Lord, that uh, you'd speak to our hearts. Help us, God, to be more than anything else, more than honest outwardly. Help us to always be honest inwardly, and especially today as we look in your word and uh, God, if there's, there's any corrections, any differences, any additions, any subtractions that need to be made in our lives, Father, I pray that we would respond to you. May you please, please, Lord, speak to our hearts as individuals 
and uh, take your word and minister it as only you can. We'll be careful to thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What is, it, what is the subject of these 12 verses? Well, the subject is temptation. And uh, it, it, temptation in, in uh, verse, verses 2 and 3, it's, it's defined as what kind of temptation it is. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. It, this is a, th these are temptations that try our faith. Uh, take, your, take your Bibles, if you would. Keep your finger here. But go to Genesis 22 and Hebrews 11. Genesis 22 and Hebrews 11. A little bit later on in this passage, in the book of James, it talks about the fact that God doesn't tempt any man. And yet, over in Genesis, in chapter uh, 22, we find a statement made. And, and what I love about the Word of God is that it is a self-defining book. Uh, if you have a, a question or if there seems to be a contradiction, it's because you're not letting the book define itself. Oftentimes we think there's contradictions because uh, simply we have the wrong definitions of words. And temptation can be used in two different ways. Uh, look with me over in Genesis 22. In Genesis 22, 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Now, because later on in James it says that God doesn't tempt any man, when some of the modern scholars came to that, that and, and, and had to uh, make a translation, they changed the word tempt because they didn't know how to handle it. Well, just let the Word of God handle itself, and it will, it will define, it'll tell you what it's talking about. So on one hand, it says that God tempted Abraham. On another hand, it says God doesn't tempt any man. Go with me over to Hebrews chapter 12. And in Hebrews 12 and verse, excuse me, 11, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 17, it's talking about this same incident where God told Abraham to offer his son Isaac. And in Genesis 22, it's called a temptation. It says that, that he tempted him. Then if you look with me in verse um, 17 of Hebrews 11, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tried. He doesn't use the word temptation. He uses the word tried. So what, it, what that tells me is, is that there are temptations that God does put before us that are trials of our faith. But one thing God never, ever, ever tempts us with, go back with me to James chapter 1. And look with me in verse 13. It says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil neither tempteth he any man god will never tempt a man to do wrong 
God will tempt a man to do right, but that's a different kind of temptation. And so the temptations that are spoken of in verses 1 through 12 are different than the temptations that are spoken of in verses, verses uh, 13 through 17. Uh, verses 2 through 12 are talking about primarily uh, outer things, the things that particularly on the outside, they will affect the inside, obviously, but things outwardly that will, that will uh, try your faith. And then verses 13 through 17 uh, talk about the things on the inside. For instance, you go to verse 14. It says, but every man, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Where's the lust taking place? It's in the heart. It's an, it's an inward thing. And so the, uh, the temptations that we're talking about in verses 2 through 12 are temptations that try our faith. And God, God often brings things across our paths that will try our faith. Now, there's some keys that we, that we will find in these verses for, for making it through the trials. And the title of my message this morning is, is uh, Four Keys for Endurance and victory. Four keys for endurance and victory. Now we're going to look at two of those keys this morning. We're going to look at the other two this evening. But I just want you to look with me at what those keys are before we even get into the heart of the message. In verse, verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. We're told to count. Verse 3 says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Uh, we're, we're told to know some things. Uh, down in verse 4, it says, But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We're told to let, let patience have her perfect work. And then in verse verses 5 through 8, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall, have, that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So the last thing that, that God tells us that we need to do during these times is to ask. So we're to count, we're to know, we're to let, and we're to ask. Let's, let's take a look at that first one, count. Again, let's read verse 2. Verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Count it all joy. What he's talking about here is, is evaluation. What, what, what's he referring to? Well, he's referring to our attitude during the trouble. Do you have the right attitude? And let me tell you, uh, and, and I'm the first to admit it. Uh, when my guard gets down, this thing starts to affect my attitude, and I have to work at it. Uh, I have to, I have to, to uh, continually uh, uh, get the right mindset uh, during this time, so that my my mind and my heart don't go in in the wrong direction. Uh, go with me. Keep your finger here, and go to First Peter. 
We're in the book of James. The next book is 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, and look in verses 3 through 7. Peter is addressing people that are going through the same kind of things that James uh, was addressing people about as well. And in verse, verses, uh, if you look with me in verses uh, 3, um, let, me, let me get this straight here. Yeah, 3 through 7. Verse 3 through 7, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's what we celebrated last week. We remembered the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Resurrection Sunday. Verse 4, to an, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and the fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. And again, these are the same kind of temptations. You say, well, how do you know that? Look at verse 7. That the trial of your faith, that's what the temptations are for, to try our faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And notice the words that God, God uses when he's speaking about this, this trial of faith. He uses the word precious. He uses the words uh, praise and honor and glory. He says, listen, these are precious things. These aren't just troublesome things. They're precious things, and they're things that we can praise and honor and glory our Savior with. Um, verse, if you go back with me to, uh, to verse, verse 6, it says in, in, 1 Peter, in 1 Peter 1, it says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, ye greatly rejoice. Uh, these, these folks weren't moaning and groaning. These folks didn't, uh, didn't have a bad attitude uh, during, during the time of, of, of difficulty. They were rejoicing. They were rejoicing. And uh, notice, if you go back with me to James chapter 1, look at verse 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy, not if, but when ye fall into diverse temptations. Uh, it, that just tells us very simply that the temptations are inevitable. Don't let them surprise you because they're going to come. Uh, John chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus was speaking and he said, These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And again, this is all dealing with the kind of mindset that we have when we, when we go through the difficulty and we go through the trial. Uh, go, go with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 4. And in 1 Peter 4, look with me down in verse, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. Say, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Basically, all he's saying is, is that trials are going to come. You're going to have trials. You're going to have difficulty. Why? 
There's a purpose, and the purpose of it is to try your faith. Uh, if there were no, no trials, your faith would not be tried. If there were no trials, your faith, faith would not have opportunities to be strengthened. And, and going back again to James chapter 1, look in verse 2 again. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into di diverse temptations. Uh, this is talking about things that come from without that are not caused by you. Things that, we, that you have absolutely no control over. By the way, those are the things that drive us the craziest sometimes because we have no control over it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I, again, as this time gets elongated, it seems to be, at least in our state, it's two weeks at a time. We, th we just get toward the end of the one two-week period, and that's extended to another two-week period. But, uh, but as, that thing, as that thing is ex extended, we need to just understand and realize we're not bringing this on ourselves uh, from the standpoint of we have no control. Now, it could be that, that as a country and as, as, as a world population, our, our sin has brought this on, on us as judgment from God. That, that is a definite possibility. But, but as far as our control, it's something that we've fallen into. It's something that we have not controlled ourselves. And notice also he talks about it being diverse temptations. Diverse temptations means varied. Um, this COVID-19 thing is, is affecting different people different ways. Some people, you know, it, it, they're, they're saying that the, that the virus itself can actually be resident in a person and they have no, no symptoms, none at all. And yet it can come into someone else and it could be life-threatening. It could come into others uh, others could come in contact with it, and it, it would just simply be, just be a, a maybe a real, real bad case of the flu. Uh, it, it affects people different ways. Can I tell you just the whole scenario, whether you've been infected or not? And praise the Lord, as far as I know, none of our people thus far in our church have been infected by the by the virus at all, and that's good. But we have been affected. <laughs> we haven't been infected. But every single one of us have been affected. And depending upon your situation, it's going to affect you in different ways. Uh, no one, no two people are alike. No two families are alike. Uh, when it comes to Christianity, there's no, there's no cookie-cutter Christians. They just aren't. Uh, the product is the same, but the process is different in each person's life. And what our responsibility is, is to find out what is it that God's doing with me? What is it that, that God is using this situation for to develop in my, my heart and mind? And the, again, the key word in this, in this part of the, the passage is the word count. Uh, count means to evaluate. And it's, it's the value that you place on things. What kind of value do you place on, on the trials that come into your life? Y your values determine your evaluations. Uh, count is used uh, three times, uh, or several times, in, in the, the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, 
where Paul's talking about his, his past life and also his present life. And he says about his past life, he says, I count all things but loss. You know, he had all, all kinds of notoriety and uh, a favor with people and position. Uh, he, said, I, he said, when I got saved, I left that stuff. And I, I just count it but loss. And then he goes on further and says, and do count them but dung. He says, listen, that's just nothing but refuse. That's nothing but fecal matter to me. That's a, that's a mess back there. Uh, I, don't, I don't value that at all. And then in verse 13 of chapter 3 of the book of Philippians, he says, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, what he says is, he says, he says I haven't arrived yet. And what he realized is that all the things that happened in his life happened for a purpose, and that, that his mindset, his value on those things were of, of absolute importance. What, what, what happens when we as Christians begin to value comfort more than character? When, when we value comfort more than we value the character that God could teach us through the tribulations and the difficulties and the trials, uh, we, we, we get set off very, very easily by problems and by, by difficulties because, because comfort is a priority with us. Uh, comfort should not be a priority with us. A priority ought to be, ought to be character, not comfort. Now, you know, I know, uh, and I understand, uh, when our routine is jostled, we don't like it. Nobody likes change. And particularly uh, when, it, when it comes suddenly, uh, you can't do anything about it. In some cases, you may disagree with some of the things. I found myself doing that here just recently. And, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's things that we don't necessarily agree with. But you know what? God's allowed it to happen for a reason. We need to just hit the pause button, take a look at it, and say, okay, God, what are you trying to work? What kind of character, what kind of Christ-likeness are you trying to work in me through this time? If we value the, the, the danger comes when we start to value the physical more than the spiritual, and, and again, even, even in this time, be careful. We start to value physical health more than spiritual health. And the reason why that is is because the focus is on the virus. And so the focus is on stay clean, wash your hands, and yeah, put on the hand sanitizer and stay 6, 12, 15, 100 feet away, you know, whatever it takes. To do what you got to do. And, uh, uh, you know, we, what happens if you're not careful, and I found myself doing this, I get caught up with me. And you know what? It's not all about me. And the temptation is to put the outward things as a more important value than the inward things. Man, we got to be careful of that. Uh, you know, that's, that's the thing in, in looking at this whole situation that we are in as, as families, as a church, as a state, as a country. 
uh, is particularly for Christian people. We need to we need to look at this thing and say, where is you know my focus? Is my as my focus? And listen, it can it'll happen. It's happened to me, and I'm, I'll, I can almost guarantee it's probably happened to you too. Uh, Job chapter twenty three and verse ten says this. This is Job speaking. He's talking about God. He says, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You know, that was, that was Job's outlook. He, said, he says, you know, I'm going to be better because of this thing. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't have any struggles when he went through the loss of his family, the loss of his health, the loss of his wealth, the loss of everything that he had. Even his own friends turned against him. Uh, he really had nobody. And then God was silent during much of that time uh, till the end of the, of, of the trial. And, uh, and, and did he struggle with it? Absolutely he struggled with it. But he had the right general outlook. And the, the general outlook was, this thing is a trial, and when I get on the other side of this thing, I'm going to be better. And God's going to take this thing and going to use it. So you, you look at it with a different light. Outlook affects outcome. It just does. If we have the right outlook, we can have the right, the, the right uh, outcome. If we don't have the right outlook, we can't. I, I think one of the, one of the, the ways that, that this manifests itself is the difference between being problem-oriented or being solution-oriented. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you, look at, you look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah uh, got word that, and he was the king's cupbearer at the time, he was in captivity, he got word that his beloved city, Jerusalem, was torn down and the walls were destroyed. And he just sat and he just wept when he heard those words. But you know what I like about Nehemiah? He didn't stay in that condition. He wept, he sorrowed, and then after that was all over, he said, listen, something has to be done. He didn't just look at the problem, he looked beyond the problem and said, there's got to be a solution. Now, I, you know, we're not given a lot of background about Nehemiah, but Nehemiah was a cupbearer. All right, that, that had to do with food, and it had to do with drink, and it had to do with uh, b protecting the king. It did not have to do with building walls. There is no indication anywhere that, that he had any experience in building walls. But you know what? He didn't care. He said, listen, I, I do see the problem, but I don't want to be oriented to the problem. I want to be oriented to the solution. There's got to be a solution. You know, uh, let me just throw, throw this out to you. This, this summer is, uh, is going to be different than any summer I think we've ever had at this church. Uh, different than any summer that, that uh, I've ever experienced. Uh, there, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's canceled. I found out that I uh, just heard within the last week or so. That uh, as of right now, anyway, unless something changes, the New York State Fair is canceled. Boom. None. Zero. What that means is that means that the Amazing Grace Mission booth won't be there. Uh, 
Now, for, for me, that's the biggest deal. You know, you say, well, but there won't be concerts and there won't be rides and there won't be animals judged and who cares? <laughs> you know, the gospel won't go out and that's the most important thing that goes on as far as I'm concerned and as far as God's concerned. Uh, it's the most important thing that goes on in the fair. Um, I, I, I don't see any way that, that this can't be the case. I think our door-to-door -door visitation this summer is going to be affected. And Adam, you and I need to sit down and talk about that. I got some ideas. Um, I, I looked at that thing and I thought, oh, you know, if you're problem-oriented, this is what you do. You say, oh, puke. That whole thing's shot. Well, guess we're just going to have to wait till next year. Or we can say, well, that's the problem. But what's the solution? There's got to be another way to get out the gospel. I've already had some of our fellas come to me and say, hey, preacher, after this thing is all over, what do you think about this? Hey, preacher, uh, during this deal, what do you think about me doing that? And, and trying to make connections and trying to, to be a blessing to our community and, uh, and get the gospel out. Some, you know, uh, I believe it, believe it was Adam uh, came to me about, about uh, putting in a Facebook ad last week for Resurrection Sunday. I no more would have thought of that than the man on the moon. You know, I thought, well, you know what? We just, we're just not, <laughs> you know, we're, we're not going to be able to invite people to Resurrection Sunday. That's just all there is to it. Well, the truth of the matter is, Adam looked at that thing and said, you know, yeah, we got a problem, but I think I got a solution. And so we put, a, we put an ad in. We doubled. In fact, I think, did we over double? More than double? Doubled or more? Uh, our viewership last week, I have no idea who, who was watching. But somebody was watching. Somebody was getting the gospel. What a blessing that is. You know, but you don't get that way when your mindset is that you're problem-oriented. We need to be solution-oriented. So count it all joy. That has to do with the mindset. That has to do with where are your values. Then the second thing, look down at verse 3. Verse 3 of James chapter 1 says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Can I tell you something? I don't really like that verse. <laughs> Because that tells me how I get patience. You know, it's like the guy that got down on his knees one day and says, God, I want you to give me patience, and quite frankly, I need it right this moment. Well, it doesn't work like that, okay? Uh, you, you don't get it like that. And, and the, the truth is, you know, I, I used to, I used to say, Lord, I know I'm impatient. Lord, uh, please give me patience. And then one day I was reading in my Bible and I read, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Oh, maybe I'll pass on that patience thing. Uh, <laughs> because the trying of your faith can be difficult. But again, if you got the right mindset, and then if you, if you, if you, if you not only count, but you know some things, you can get through it in a different way. Uh, it says, knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Knowing this. Knowing is, is having an understanding. And these are things that, that, uh, that, that help us handle trouble. The things that we know are the things that help us handle trouble and cause us to benefit from that trouble the way that we, the, the way that we should. 
Um, there, there's some, just some basic things we need to understand. First of all, faith never goes untested. Never goes untested. Um, in order for your faith to grow, it's got to be tested. Now, God tempts us. But when he tempts us, it's always to do good. He never tempts us with evil. He never tempts us with sin. That's not God. You say, yeah, but I've, I've been tempted by those things. All right, I understand. But you didn't get that from God. That temptation didn't come from God. That, that, that came from Satan. God tempts us to do good, and he tempts us with good. And good opportunities. You say, you say, yeah, but this, this coronavirus isn't good. No, but he's tempting us to respond well, not react badly. Uh, what he's looking for, for to happen in our lives is for our, 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 our faith to grow, our strength to, to, depend, to, to grow in dependence upon him, and for us to mature as Christians. Um, you know, there's, there's examples all the way through Scripture of, of folks that were, were uh, tempted by God. And, of course, we, we looked at one already with, with Abraham and Isaac. Uh, Abraham and Isaac was, was tempted. Uh, or Abraham was tempted when he was told to sacrifice his son. And, uh, but he strengthened his faith, and by faith, he went ahead and did it. Um, you know, we go to, the, to Hebrews 11, and we get a little insight of what was going on on the inside of Abraham's heart. And Abraham came to this conclusion. He said, look, he says, God promised me a seed, and he said that seed would reproduce and would rise up a, a great, great nation. He says, God gave me that seed, and he gave it to me and Isaac. And now God comes along and says, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. I want you to put him on the altar. I want you to put him to death for me. And so he looks at that thing and says, well, wait a minute. God made me a promise. God cannot lie. God said, he gave me a seed. He gave me a seed. He said that seed would, would bring forth a great nation. That seed is Isaac. Now he's asking me to sacrifice him. There's only one conclusion. After I sacrifice him, he's going to rise him up from the dead. Where did he get that? Well, he didn't get that from anywhere. Uh, he hadn't seen a resurrection. He hadn't heard of a resurrection. Where did he get that? He got that by faith. Because he knew some things. He knew his God. In fact, the Bible says that, that Abraham was a, was a friend of God. And he was a friend of God because he walked with God. The second thing that we know is not only that faith never goes untested, but temptations, trials, and trouble always are for our good. Romans 8.28, for we know not think, not hope. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. If God's putting us through it, he's putting us through it for our good and for his glory. Uh, he's going to use these things to strengthen us. He's going to, you know, Paul even spoke of this. If you go into the book of Acts and you chronicle the life of Paul, 
after he got saved, I mean, it was, it was persecution after persecution after persecution, jail after jail after jail, and it got to the point where his human physical visage was not very good. I mean, he didn't look that hot because his health was terrible. All right, and th there's uh, indications that he was losing his eyesight. There's indications that he was, he was uh, 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 bent over and not of not of great stature. Um, but you know what? He he you don't you know he he talks some about that, but he says that's not stuff that's important. He said what's important is the inner man, and he said God is strengthening the inner man. And so, you know, he realized that the, the temptations and the trials and the trouble, yeah, they're going to come, but they're for our good. And though you might get weakened on the outside, you get strengthened on the inside. And the third thing that we need to know is not only that faith never goes untested, that, that, that uh, temptations and tests and trials and troubles are always for our good, but thirdly, the trying of our faith is for the purpose of maturity. It's to make us more mature in Jesus Christ. And the, the key to that maturity, according to this verse, is patience. The trying of your faith worketh patience. You won't, won't grow if you don't endure. You won't grow if every time a trouble comes, you look for the escape hatch. You won't grow if, uh, if every time you get into some difficulty, you throw up your hands and you say, this is just too hard for me, I quit. You won't, you won't become what Jesus Christ wants you to become. You won't, you won't grow in maturity. You won't grow in strength. You won't grow in faith. Uh, those things are brought into our lives so that we can grow. Keep your finger here and go with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And I, I, I love this passage of Scripture because what God does is he, he gives us an insight as to what tribulations are for and what tribulations will produce. If we don't quit, if we endure, if, if we trust God through the thing. And verses 3 through 5 of Romans 5 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Now, that, that, just that sentence all by itself sounds weird. Glory in tribulation. Hot dog, here comes the flu. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, great, we got more restrictions put on us. Uh, you know, uh, it, it just it looks contradictory. But, but here's where the key is. It says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing, knowing. He said, there's some things that I know that this is going to produce. And because I know that, I'm glad they're here. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to take me to a, a level that I've never been before. It says, knowing the tribulation. Oh, there it is again. Worketh patience. <laughs> you know, we don't like that process. But that's part of it. And then it says, it doesn't just stop at patience. And patience, experience. I would say we've had some experiences the last four weeks. Uh, and I think we've got a whole lot more coming. 
Uh, experience hope. Now, why, why does it say experience hope? Because as you trust God through the experience, as you trust God through the thing that you have to be patient with, as you trust the Lord and you see him bring you through, you've got that experience that you can look back to time and time and time again and say, look, I know my God got me through this. He's not going to let me get down now. And, and uh, it gives us encouragement and it gives us hope. It says impatience experience and experience hope. In other words, we have hope because not because of us, not because this too shall pass. <laughs> we, have, we have hope because we know our God is, will be strong on our behalf. And hope maketh not a shame. Because love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now, as the Apostle Paul has said this, um, because he responded properly to the trials and the tribulations and the, the difficulties that came, when he went to the church at Corinth, and he loved those folks, and he worked with those folks, and he, 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 uh, he labored for those folks and sacrificed for those folks. And then in 2 Corinthians, he says, but the more I love you, the less I be loved. He's not complaining about it. He's just stating a fact. It, does that mean he's going to stop loving them? No, there's no indication of that at all. He's going to keep doing it. Why? Because the love of God had been shed abroad in his heart. Aren't you glad that God's love for you is continual and it's not determined by your behavior? And I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad God's, God's love is not, not determined by how I respond to him. Uh, and that's really what Paul was saying. He says, the more I love you, the less I be loved. And, and the indication is, I'm just going to keep loving you more and more and more. Uh, why? Because he had been through some things that, that, that gave him some patience and gave him some understanding. He, he knew some things. He knew that patience was the key to blessing. Um, Luke chapter 21 and verse 19 says, In patience possess ye your souls. Now, that's Jesus speaking. Uh, that's, a, that, that's, a precious, that's a precious principle. It says, In patience possess ye your souls. In other words, if you don't have patience, you don't really have control. God does not have control of you the way that that he desires to have control take your take your bibles and back up you're in james back up to hebrews and go to hebrews 6 and hebrews 10. hebrews 6 hebrews 10. hebrews chapter 6 look down in verse 12 with me if you would hebrews 6 12 that ye be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and Patience inherit the promises. He's saying, listen, uh, there's some promises waiting for you, but if you quit, if you throw up your hands, if, if you don't endure through it, those promises won't be waiting for you on the other side. Uh, look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and look down at verse 36. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. 
The promise doesn't come when we're going through the trial. The promise comes after the trial, after the trial. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's why I've, I've noticed something. I've observed something over the years, and that is that at least in my own life, and I've seen it also in the lives of others, but I've seen it more, more markedly in my own, is that most mistakes are made in haste rather than in patience. Uh, we usually uh, make mistakes being more hasty rather than being too patient. And when that happens, many times those mistakes that are made in haste can't be repaired or can't be fully repaired. You know, you, you got examples of this in the in the scriptures. Abraham, he 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 uh, he got the the commission from God. He started to to travel. And immediately there was a famine in the land. Do you know what that is? That's a tribulation. That's a temptation. That's a trial. What did he do? He did not wait for God to speak to him. And every other time, God, when God wanted him to divert his path, he told him. God didn't tell him. He saw the famine. He looked at Egypt and he said, let's go down there because there's food there. There isn't food here. And he, he acted hastily rather than waiting to hear from God. Uh, that's where he picked up Hagar. And you've got, you've got Isaac, you know, the, the lines of Isaac and the lines of Ishmael that are fighting to this day uh, because, because of that hastiness. Moses, Moses got hasty and murdered a man, killed a man. Uh, Peter got hasty. We just, we just uh, looked at this uh, just recently in our Wednesday night Bible study. He got hasty and he cut off a, gar a guard's ear. Uh, he, he, did not, he did not wait to see how Jesus Christ would respond and what he would do. And that's usually, that's usually where we fall. We jump instead of waiting for God, waiting for clear direction. And the whole, the whole purpose of this thing is to teach us how to wait on God and be able to afterwards look back and say, man, I'm glad I waited on God because God took care of me here and took care of me there. I'm glad I was patient because he was strong on my behalf rather than me taking things into my own hands. God stepped in and was, and was a strong for me and delivered and, and helped me through that time. Um, this is, how, this is how patience and this is how character, those two things together, character and patience, get developed. They get developed through trials, through temptations, through difficulties. God tells us, first thing we need to do is count, is count. Have the right attitude, you know, have, 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 have the right viewpoint about the trial. And then secondly, Know some things. And, and bottom line is, know that you've got a God who cares. I am so thankful. And, I, and I, have, I have said this to God numerous times, and I've remarked about our God like this numerous times. I am so thankful I've got a God who is personal. And he takes personal care of us. Not just when, thing, when times are good, but even during the tribulations and the difficulties and the trials and the temptations. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, 
We ask your blessings upon the things that we've heard this morning. Maybe we need to have an attitude adjustment this morning. Uh, Lord, I know that uh, my attitude, even before the service, was not good. You know that. Uh, God, we are so frail and we are so stupid sometimes. And uh, sometimes we fall into temptation and other times we walk right into it. Because we don't have the right values. Help us, God. To, to, to not begrudge problems, but to realize that those things are going to do things in our lives that nothing else could do. And you allow those things there not because you got a bone to pick with us, but because you want to see us grow. And you want to see our lives give you more honor and glory. And then, Lord, uh, help us to Reflect back on what, in the depths of our hearts, we really, we know. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful that back years ago, you gave me the knowledge and you gave me the assurance that my sins were forgiven and that I was on my way to heaven. That was the very first thing in my Christian life that I was able to know. Lord, you said that whosoever shall call upon them, Lord, shall be saved. And I called upon you, believed I was a sinner on my way to hell, repented of my sin and trusted Christ as my personal Savior. And Lord, when, when that happened, you gave me something I could know for the rest of my life and for all eternity. And Lord, uh, since then, you've, you've taught me and since then you've taught others. Uh, some things that we know about our God, help us not forget those things and help us to realize that tribulation worketh patience and we just simply need to wait on our God. Please, Lord, work in this invitation. I pray that the, the, the living rooms, kitchens, wherever it is that folks are watching this broadcast, uh, Lord, the, the seat that they're sitting on right now, I pray that that would turn into an altar if it's necessary and that uh, folks would get down on their knees and do some business with God. Please work in this invitation. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's remain, uh, let's, let's all stand.